I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hi. We're back. Yeah, no, God. We're back. After a very long hiatus, we have returned. This is Sophie, your host. Hello. Simon. Yo. Hi. Hello, yeah, good to be back. I don't think <laughs> we should right. look at the camera. I don't think it's a good idea. No. Oh, let's not do that. We're trying to, we're, we're testing out filming for the first time, so. It you're you're only allowed to break the fourth wall once per episode. I oh. was going to say, it was one time thing, just so people know that this season, like a spy thing where someone has like. Oh yeah, intuitive. Could have that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we know that we're being filmed. We consent to this. Yeah. But this is exciting. This is something that people have been asking for. So we're going to give it a go. I mean, you might not see it. If it turns you out shite, you might not, not actually see it. So who knows? But hopefully it will be good. What have we been up to? I feel like we have someone to cast up on. I mean, we. I mean, the writer strike is over, so we're fine. We can yes. all come back now. We can leave the picket lines. The we can actors podcast are again. still out there. Yeah, but we thing. ain't got no chance with them. Come on. Yes, that's true. I'm hearing about Deadpool 3 potentially being I saw that today, it. yeah. And Simon does <laughs> We're, Simon we're, has a little bit, we have has, been back for a minute and 40 seconds and yeah. Simon's already sad about us talking about superhero movies. It's um, like we've never left. That was going to be my one Marvel plug for the episode. So, so. Oh, damn. I have a Marvel one as well. But, uh, well, Ooh. just, you know, what I've been watching. Oh, oh, shit. They have new stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, not new. Is this a oh. hate watch or a real watch? No, uh, a, a, a happy rewatch. Mm. Okay. Iron Man. No, mm. no, not Iron Man, but a happy mm. rewatch nonetheless. All right. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did see the Deadpool because it's, what, it's May next year, which seems really close for a movie that's only half made. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be not out gonna by happen. then. Yeah. They have only shot half the film. Does it need another one? Yes. It's going to be good. Like, it, yeah, Wolverine and Deadpool they've got are Hugh, They've up. got Hugh Jackman, yeah. Wait, have you seen Deadpool, Simon? It's the one Marvel film you would enjoy. Uh, I yeah, think. I agree. I've seen some of the first one, I think. Yeah. It's the most. It's got lots of like little punchline, sarcastic quips in it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quite gratuitous. Yeah. Mm. No, is that the word? Gratuitous. I enjoyed Deadpool too. I thought it was good. I mean, yeah. it's not. It. It. It was a. It was a bit samey. Like I don't know. It didn't do. It didn't do anything different, which no. is kind of what I'm hoping the next one will do because they. You know, Josh Brolin was good. I thought Josh Brolin was cool, and they did some nice stuff with the kid from. Um, the kid from the Hunt for the Wilder People is in the second one. Oh, cool. As like mm. a kind of semi-evil, like angsty teen. And he's quite funny. I'm more hopeful for the third one. I'm just interested to see what it's like now that Disney have their hands all over it. Like, is that going to change it massively? But who knows? I can only imagine it's going to go full OTT, but that's if Disney allows. Do you know what? I think they kind of have to let them though, because there's been so much, there was so much talk, or, you know, when Disney acquired Fox, Oh, like, are they going to let them do Deadpool? Like, what does Deadpool look like? And and it has a very clear fan base. Like, it's not the Marvel, traditional Marvel fan base. And I think they'll piss off a lot of people if they if they clearly have an influence on it. Like, yeah. the best thing they can do for it is just go, we'll just do one Deadpool movie and we'll let you make what you wanted to make. We'll give you, and fucking throw money at it, obviously. <laughs> They're throwing so much money at them. So I think it could be good as long as... I don't know. How do you round up? Like, what does that the end of that trilogy look like? You know, I'd be interested to see what they do with it. If it's going to be the end of it. Yeah, true. I mean, is will Deadpool just become part of the whole yeah. Marvel franchise and it's all just a whole thing? <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Simon, let's bring you back to life. Uh, what have you been watching? How have you been? Give us the latest. Yeah, not bad. Well, I've been watching some really random stuff, actually. Okay. I found a very old film from the late 70s with Helen Mirren in it called Hussy. Hussy? Oh, wait, I feel like I've seen it, that film. It was set in the West End of London in the late... I think, it's, I think it's an 80s film, but it's set in the late 70s. And she's a prostitute in one of those... Soho type clubs, but a fairly posh one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got this abusive ex husband that's still on the scene a little bit, but she ends up getting together with the sound and lighting tech from this cabaret. Classic. Bar. <laughs> and it's all about the shenanigans they get up to. And it's just, it's like when you watch it, it's like the writer and the director every two minutes, like, oh, why don't we try this? Here's another idea. And it just goes on these crazy yeah. tangents, and you literally can't predict where it's going to go. Um, so it does hold your attention, but it's very, very weird. How would you describe it? Like a thriller or kind is of, just yeah. avant-garde, full-on weird? It's not From what you've described, it sounds like a romp. It is quite rompy. I love <laughs> I love when movies are described as romps. That actually yeah. kind of makes me want to watch well, them. Well, actually, it, I thought this might set the scene a little bit. This is the type of, the vibe. No one is I think this is the opening song. Classic. <laughs> a very different love story. Oh, I'm tr- I'm transported. I'm transported. I, I I feel I'm like I'm sitting in a dusky nightclub, smoking a cigarette in Soho in the seventies. Yeah, so that's so they're positioning it as a love story, and she's this prostitute in a cabaret place. Who plays the ex-husband and who plays the light oh, technician? Oh, I, I don't. Anyone have known? Is no. it like very early Helen Mirren? Like very early. early in her career? I think it's before Prime Suspect. Mm. Okay. So if you're in America, Prime Suspect was a really big and well-respected, like one of the very first high budget uh, invested in TV dramas. Wasn't Quite it? like Cracker in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember Cracker Prime was. Suspect. Cracker had Robbie Coltrane yeah. and Prime Suspect had Helen Mirren. I feel, I think Prime Suspect was before Cracker maybe. Yeah. And it was really cool because Helen Mirren was this senior female police officer who was like taken seriously and was a was a beast, and she would solve these incredibly complex crimes. Mm. And they did show um, politics at work and how she was treated by her colleagues and all the stuff that she had to kind of circumnavigate to succeed. It's really good. It's one of the first things that I remember my mum letting me watch as like mm-hmm. a young kid and feeling like really grown up watching it because it was like covered really dark themes. I remember for me, it was Family Guy. Family Guy was like being like 12 or 13 and Family Guy being this thing that like the grown ups were allowed to watch. Yeah. And then finally being allowed to watch it and being like, this is hilarious. And <laughs> I get to hear all the rude jokes. That leads, because we're doing Rocky Horror Show next, aren't we? Or oh, sometime? We're going to do it we're very gonna soon. We're going to do it soon, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Halloween Because that's my so. other one because... One night, I remember, I must have been like 10, 11, I was quite young, and I was ill. And you know when you're ill, you're allowed to like come downstairs and yeah. sit in the TV room or whatever, later at night. And mum and dad were watching Rocky Horror Show, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, is this what you guys watch every night? <laughs> nice. I can't believe it. And uh, that was the first time, I think it's probably the first time I'd seen like cross-dressing on TV. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I felt really like mature that I was allowed to watch My that. my My... Prime memory of, of like the first time being, you know, when you're, as you say, like you're allowed to stay up to watch a film. Yeah. Or like, you know, to be like, you'd be watching a movie and it would get to bedtime. It's like, oh, well, sorry, like you got to go to bed. You know, the, the, I don't, it doesn't matter if the movie's over, you've got to go to yeah. bed to go to school tomorrow. And the first time I remember being allowed to stay up, and I think it was because I just kicked up such a fuss to want to watch the end of the movie, was the Spice Girls movie. Oh, man. Oh, I have such iconic. a clear recollection of being told by my parents, 
Okay, fine. <laughs> if you're going to kick up such a fuss, we will let you watch the end of Spice World. So what, is that one of those ones where, where the news was halfway through and you were like, oh no. Yeah, Cause, yeah, cause my exactly. Because always used because in the UK, I don't know if it's like it's in Greece, but they do this news bulletin sometimes. Mm-hmm. At like mm-hmm. a five, like a five minute news bulletin. Or even longer, like sometimes it's like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then you knew that mum and dad would be like, this is the perfect time to like boost us out of the lounge and yeah. get Go to us. bed. Yeah. Yeah, no, not for me. That's so funny. I've never seen Spice Girls film. I don't think I've seen it since then. And I was probably seven or eight years old. So I don't really remember that much. I just remember they travel around the country in a bus. And the one fact I know is that bus is now stationary in the Isle of Wight. And it is there as a tourist attraction. Because you need a reason to go to the Isle of Wight because there's nothing else there other than the Spice Girls bus. And an alpaca farm. It has cold film status now. I feel like it's very watchable. Yeah, especially now with, you know, Posh is back in the in the news with this David Beckham series. So the Spice Girls are 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 back in the zeitgeist. When when I was first looking for jobs when I moved to London, I wrote to um, their manager, Nikki Chapman. Nice. And I got a letter (laughs) back. And I was like, really? I was trying to work what? at uh, 19 Entertainment or whatever. And I wrote to her saying, I want to be a runner. Or I'll do anything to get yeah. going. I'll do anything yeah. to get near Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> I think actually it might have been like a music, like composing music or something. Anyway, Nikki wrote me a letter back and signed oh it. Oh my God, yeah. that's so nice. Oh, that's so lovely. She, and she was very, very nice. So that's thanks Nikki. What? So it wasn't not a chance in hell. Fuck off. Well, it was dear. kind of like, yeah. Sincerely, Nikki. A very polite <laughs> rebuffle. Re- yeah. Whatever the word is. A, a polite no. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I just remembered? Isn't Richard E. Grant in the Spice Girls loads film? Loads of people are in the Spice Girls oh, film. Like right. Stephen Fry's in the Spice Girls films. Loads is of random people in it. Is it kind of like a, a Richard Curtis type Yeah, vibe. I think so. I, if yeah. I remember correctly, I think so. It's like, it's almost like a celebration of like mm. the Spice Girls and like, you know, all these, like, I think the, like it's a London bus they travel around in. So it's very much like, mm. you know, yeah, Richard Curtis is the right way to put it. I mean, he probably has his hands on it in some way. Mm. Going back to your question, because it just came to me. The film that I first saw that made me feel like an adult was probably like Harry Potter. <laughs> now, I don't even, I probably could be the first one or something, but I don't know if that was the case here. But I mean, Greece is a bit backwards generally. And at the time when we were at school, there was this weird rumor among teachers, especially that this is like Satan's film. What? <laughs> yes. Wizardry. Oh my God. Like, why are we putting people? Did they, did, they, did they make you play it backwards and you can hear satanic messaging in Harry Potter? Is that, that what was, it is? That was if you part- play it backwards, you hear Vangelis. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the narrative. And the, like, there were schools that wouldn't like show Harry Potter because it had like satanic messages and stuff like that. So Crazy. my mom was so anti all of that, where she was like, can you just sit down and watch that fucking film? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> She cut through the fake news. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So that was uh, interesting. Thank God for Sophie's mum. And then were you addicted to Harry Potter after that? Uh, I wouldn't say addicted. I always enjoy the Harry Potter films, but I Mm. wouldn't consider myself like a Potterhead. Mm. I did a rewatch of them quite recently and, and, you know... They're not bad. I would say they're bad films. They're like like solid six and seven out of tens. They're good. I just... Because I've read the books and I've watched the films, but then you see what the fandom actually looks yeah. like and I'm like, I'm not part of that. See, I've not read that. See, do you know what? And I don't know if it's like, <laughs> dude, so does that mean King's Cross Station and it's that event where they do the yeah. special yeah. platform? Well, did you see a couple of a couple of weeks ago when they had the thing where it was like, oh, this is the day that students will be going to Hogwarts and all these yeah, people yeah, descend yeah. on St. Pancras. Oh, and, and they, they like and, hold up walls. And they, and they knew there was going to be a certain announcement at a certain time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At like 9 a.m. Yeah. or something like that. There's an announcement to go to platform nine and three quarters every year at this same time. And all these people descend. Mm. And listen, all power to you. 
if that's what you want to do. I get it. I think we've all yeah. been part of a fandom once in our lifetime. Dude, I've gone around um, New York looking for the Home Alone locations, and there I've gone around go. San Francisco looking for Mrs. Doubtfire. So I mean, you why have? not? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Do you find them? Uh, which ones? Home Alone? Both. The Lost in New York Home Alone house doesn't exist. I walked around all the streets. I figured it out and it doesn't exist. And then I read that it was done on a soundstage. <laughs> but there's obviously there's lots of shots of New York that are, are, are real. But I remember when I went to New York, you told me to go to the hotel. I think you told me oh, go to the yeah, hotel where, hotel where he yeah. meets Trump. And then yeah. you also said, don't try and find the house. It's yeah, not there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because I walked around this block like five times. And I had the address advice. and I was like, the number doesn't exist. And then I yeah. realized what they'd done. Oh no. But yeah, the, the hotel. But surely there's an external there somewhere, no? Like, no, is there all, not an exterior no, they shot? made a whole street. They made a whole street Jesus. in the stage, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that's huge. That must have been so expensive. Yeah. But then, obviously, it was getting trashed, so. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> By all the, those mad contraptions <laughs> that he built. Yeah. And then my sister recently went to San Francisco, and she found... Do you remember they go to Bridges Restaurant in Mrs. Doubtfire at the end? Mm-hmm. Um, that's and, not where Pierce Brosnan chokes on yeah, something, is it? Yeah, that's the hot yeah, jambalaya yeah. Um, scene. And uh, she said it's like a really non because in the in the film it's it's really posh, isn't it? It's like a special restaurant. And she said, it's yeah, like they're really, all getting like lobster yeah, and like fancy. It's not fish. like that. Yeah, yeah. Except she sent me a picture of the disabled toilet where he does the outfit changes. You know, it's got a metal toilet in it. Yeah, um, and he, Rob, um, Robin Williams puts his bag down and then does the change and come, and there's the perfume and everything. Um, hmm. That's exactly the same. Oh wow! Hmm. And it's got, I think it's got a, a photograph of the. Film I was going to say, is it like uh, a little bit? A little bit. Is it, it's it's like in Cat's Deli where they have the sign that says where the where Harry met Sally. Yeah. When Harry <laughs> met Sally sign, do they have a sign on the door? Any other films that you want to highlight? Call well, out, give a shout out. Well, I watched all of Wayne's World <laughs> one, and then a bit. I just I couldn't get through Wayne's World two. I just found it so PG and safe and dated. I how far get into, into it. how far into two did you get? Like did you minutes? Fifteen minutes. Oh God, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, but um, I did. Take one uh, line from the first one that I like. What if he honks in the car? I'm giving you a no-honk guarantee. <laughs> Phil, um, if you're going to spew, spew into this. It's like a tiny cup. <laughs> yeah, he hands him like the tiniest little paper cup. So I once had a friend, when we started going out in Brighton, when we were like, we had our fake IDs or whatever, one of my friends did a shot in Bar Latino and um, he was immediately sick. And he chundered through his fist into an ashtray. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> that happened and he to me. Funneled it perfectly. That happened to me at my at my like they call it like it's called like the Debs in Ireland, but it's like you know end of school like ball type thing where you all everybody gets in suits and like you know you go and you have a nice dinner and drink. Mm. There was a guy that ha- did that at my Debs. He we both took a shot and I turned around. And I was like, Oof, whatever it was, I think it was whiskey or something like that. And then I turned back and he had puked straight away into a pint glass. Oh. Uh, this pint glass that had previously been empty on the bar was now full of this oh. like strange and it, and yellow he, liquid. No, he was just completely composed, like no sign. He just got away with it. Yeah, just yeah. in the pint glass and then he walked yeah. away. <laughs> uh, and then I walked away because I thought, someone's going to think I puked in that pint glass. That's I need to get disgusting. away from it. <laughs> yeah. This is what's happened. See, we've been away. um, (laughs) That's an excellent Chandra execution, if you Mm. ask me. I know, yeah. The aim is tremendous. And it doesn't have a segue. No, it doesn't. Can you not lead out? There is, is there, I don't think there's any way you can segue that into Well, I can. I've got one more thing because the weekend I watched The Witches of Eastwick. Ooh. Okay. With the in laws. Quite sexual that I just completely forgot about. And it kept, 
upping the ante every time. So, Oof. so this is one of the, the first scenes that like, I was like, oh, I've forgotten about this. So set the scene as well. So this is Jack Nicholson, Cher, Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson's basically the devil and he's seduced these women or maybe they've seduced him, who knows. But um, in this scene, they're talking about the perfect man. Handsome, he should be really handsome. Not too handsome. Nice eyes. Nice ass. Quite PG so far. Huge. I prefer small. I do is that. I glance over to an in law. <laughs> Back at my laptop. I just could not face it. Well, I'm sort of in the middle myself. Anyway, that's just the entree to how rude it gets. Wow. And then there's this section from um, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> what is it that you think you're doing? Being as direct with you as I know He's on her bed she right now. I appreciate it. And um, anyway, I always like a little pussy after lunch, what they say. <laughs> Are you trying to I think at this point is when I ordered a very expensive vintage sampler off the internet because I needed to bury my face in my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's good, but just don't watch it with I didn't remember extended that it family. Was, yeah, no. I didn't remember that it was so unsafe. It's not unsafe. It's For just, work. Yeah, they just... Um, NSFW, yeah. NSFW. There's a lot of really funny... Chunder. This is the mm. Chunder link. Mm. So there's some really good puking scenes in it where <laughs> obviously either Jack or the witches are controlling other people and they make them sick. And um, it's really like, it's like, a, did you ever watch Bottom? With yeah. Rick Mayle? They, mm. they do, or the young ones. I can't even think Bottom did like lots of puking scenes. Like it was like pumping out of their mouths. It's like sort of um, farce. It's like that. So yeah. Nice. It's good. Cool. Ben. What have I been watching? I mean, it's been, what, it's been like two months since we last yeah, it's recorded? Hard to, yeah. I mean, other than trashy reality television, because in the UK, Big Brother is back and Married at First Sight is back. Um, Bake Off is back. Bake Off I'm is also back. Do you actually watch them? I watch Bake Off. Yes, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm well into Married at First Sight and getting into Big Brother. I mean, TV-wise, there's lots out. So obviously the Loki TV show's out, but I'm not going to bother because I just can't be arsed with another Marvel TV show. <laughs> I'm watching Gen V. Oh, yeah, thoughts? Um, I'm enjoying it. It is, it's good. I mean, it's... So I have you watched The Boys, Simon? Or do you know The Boys? It's like that kind of anti-hero Amazon TV show. It's like Carl Urban and Jack Quaid. And it's really good. Um, but it consistently is like the weirdest fucking thing on television. Like there is always something that's incredibly weird. And I think within two episodes on Gen V, it's like, yeah, we're doing weird. Like it does like a hero gasm. It does that kind of type oh, thing it's immediately. Weird than steroids. Yeah. It's really like Sky High in a way. I don't know if you remember the movie Sky High, which is about a superhero school. And Kurt mm. Russell's in it. And it's he has this son who has been sent to this sky. It's called I think it's called Sky High, the school. And he doesn't have his powers yet. And the whole movie is like, he's all these people are superheroes and he doesn't have his powers yet. And you get broken into heroes or sidekicks. Mm. And they do a kind of a similar thing in Gen V, but it takes also the weirdness and kind of violence of the boys. Like within two or three episodes, this isn't a spoiler, two or three episodes, there's a girl who's a, who, who's called her like superhero name or hero name is like Cricket and she can make herself really small. And uh, she basically has sex with a guy and she shrinks his, his, like, he's like, do you know what would be really cool if you just, like, shrunk yourself down really small and just basically, like, hugged my penis? And okay. then, and in classic The Boys style, that's not just a euphemism that happens off camera. You see, like that, you see that happen. Right. She yeah. gets tiny, there's a giant cock, 
It's fucking weird. Um, so yeah, it's 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 as weird as the boys is. Um, is there a plot though that's worth uh, following? Yeah, kind of. uh, yeah. I won't talk about it too much, but mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, and I haven't watched the latest episode though. So another episode came out last Friday, and I haven't watched it just yet. I think I'm going to wait maybe until a few more are out, and then try and watch them in a row. But it's good. I am enjoying it. I mm-hmm. finished Ahsoka, which was good. Um, yeah. as a Star Wars TV ask, show. I you go. must have thoughts. Yeah, because I think yeah. we talked about this the other week. I, I I did like it. I thought it was good. I thought, you know, dragged on a bit like all those fucking TV shows do. Like, you know, most, I feel like most TV shows that Disney Plus put out at the minute is, apart from stuff maybe like The Bear, it, like it's 10 episodes. It could be five. Like it could be really short. Like they really drag these things out and make it really long. But Ahsoka was good. And it's a shame because the best performance in it is, I think is Ray Stevenson is his name. And he passed away just before the show came out. And he's incredible in it. And like his character gets this kind of like cliffhangery ending where they could do something really mm. interesting with him, but he's passed away. And it's such a shame because he's, he's fan- absolutely fantastic in it. And I think it's his last performance before he died. And he's amazing in it. So it's such a shame that they won't get to do more. But they haven't committed to doing anything else. They, they were like, oh, it's going to be a once-off. But the series kind of leaves it open-ended that they could do more. Um, and then other than that, I haven't really been, I haven't been to the cinema, I don't think, since we since Barbie, basically, since we last recorded. Mm. So I've just been like re-watching old movies. So like, as I said, I watched some Marvel, so I re-watched Infinity War and Endgame <laughs> because when I want to feel good about <laughs> Avengers movies or I superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. And then I watched, which I, I brought a clip of because obviously Tom Cruise released Mission Impossible during the summer, which was amazing. But actually one of my favorite films of his is Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, so, so good. And it's funny because I always remember I, the thing that always sticks out for me with this film, and we've got a clip of it, which we can play, is that when I watched it, when I went to see it the first time, I had sourced, that movie Source Code came out beforehand. Oh, I like Source Code. So see, see, I didn't like Source Code, the whole him having to repeat the day and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I didn't really like it. I thought it was really boring. And I went into Edge of Tomorrow being like, oh, fuck, it's going to be the exact same. And actually, it's this brilliant, like, sci-fi action movie that has amazing set pieces in it that does the whole resetting the day thing really well. It's Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Brendan Gleeson's in there as like an <laughs> asshole general for a little bit. Like it's really, really fun. And I mean, yeah, I think that, I mean, if you haven't seen it, Simon, basically the clip tells you everything you need to know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to save you. We're getting slaughtered. You need to get us off this beach. We have to go. This dropship is about to explode. We have to go now. Wait. Come on! Come on! Come on! The ship is going to explode! What are you doing? Find me when you wake up. What? Come find me when you wake up. It's so good. It's so well done. And it's incredible. The rewatch, I was like, fucking hell, I just forgot how good this movie mm-hmm. is. Like, it's so fun. It's a re. And having, as I, because I didn't enjoy Source Code, I was like, oh, fuck, I guess I just don't really. That whole 
start the day over. Like I like the whole the posters for Edge of Tomorrow was live, die, repeat. And I feel like it was called live, die, repeat in certain territories, you know, the way movies are called different mm. things in different places. And it's just so fucking good. Mm. And then the other thing that I watched really recently, which will tie into um something we're going to be doing in that the next episode, a new feature we're going to be doing, is I think possibly the best comedy film ever made. So I'll let you play the clip and then I think you'll you'll know it straight away. So it's 6 p.m. in the nighttime. This is when I wake up. This is always a really scary part for me. Yes, nighttime. So now I'm going to wake up my flatmates. I really love living in a flatting situation. Wake up! <laughs> flatting. Wake up, everyone! <laughs> so I like to hang out with other vampires. <laughs> I like to company. Awaken! Awakey, <laughs> I just really like having a good time with my friends. Speaking. Hi. Is Peter coming? Should we be great? Peter's 8,000 years old. We're not going to have Peter at the meeting. Okay, so I wanted to have a quick chat about flat responsibilities because, uh, guys, I think that we're not all pulling our weight here. We're not just pointing the finger at you, Deacon. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. <laughs> is that when the kitchen sink's like overflowing the in the background? The kitchen sink is yeah. completely overflowing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so if you haven't seen that film, that is what we do in the shadows. Uh, it's has become a TV show. So FX turned into a TV show with, good? with Matt Barry and Kevin Noah. The movie or the TV the show? The show. I watched the first season of the show and I thought it was really good. Nice. I enjoyed it. It's kind of different. Like the vampires are a little bit different and... It's set in New York, rather. Obviously, this one's set in, I think it's in Auckland, is mm-hmm. what we do in The Shadows is set in. Um, but I genuinely, like, I genuinely think that's one of the top 10 comedy films ever made. It is so funny. It gets that whole, like, the whole mockumentary style, you know. Subversive, ta- yeah. Yeah, and, like, Taika, Taika Waititi has made some amazing films, but that is, like, easily my favourite. And that the character that he played, like, the scene where... He is like, what is it? He's going to eat, like kill someone and eat them, but he punctures an artery and it destroy. And all he cares about is destroying the furniture because he's getting blood everywhere. And then the next shot is him like a talking head to the camera and he's just covered in blood <laughs> head to toe. And he's so upset about it. And like Jermaine Clements is in it from Flight of the Concords. He's awesome. Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords is in it as well. Like the whole cast is incredible. And the premise is just so stupid and so funny. I just, I rewatched it recently and I was like, I need, I feel, I feel like I need to, this needs to be like my Halloween watch movie. Like mm-hmm. this is my Halloween movie. I need to watch it at least once a year because it is just too, it's just too funny. What about you, Sophie? I mean, it's been two months. Well, I've been back to the cinema for Yeah, you've just done lot. LFF. So I just did London Film Festival. I saw 17 films in two weeks. What? <laughs> That's more films than days. But- it was worth it though. Commitment. It was worth it. Uh, so first one, Pullman by Chris Pine. Yes. Stars, directs, produces humiliation. Like has like yeah, 5% on like Rotten oh, no. Tomatoes. It's getting absolutely destroyed Hammered. by everyone. 
the thing is like I go I had so many friends who uh, attending the screening say it is so bad it's not even funny bad you know what I mean as in, well like, you it's supposed s- to be like kind of a like a big Lebowski kind of his yes. attempt at like a stonery movie with a bit more meaning to it the cast is great so you mm. yeah and I mean he's great so I will not let this make me not a fan of his because my undying love of for Chris Pine is still very much there, but maybe he should go back to just acting. I mean, he is he is still the best thing about Don't Worry Darling. Him, Well, him and Florence Pugh, but his him he's and great. Don't Worry Darling is amazing. Every, um, Hello, yeah, Hello High Water. He's great. He's a great mm. actor, but maybe directing, not his thing. So that's the one that I chose to skip. And the other one is called Foe. Uh, Cersei Ronan and Paul Mescal. Mescal? Yeah. Uh, so sci-fi, romance, think of like passengers, like Jennifer Lawrence, Chris, what's his face? Chris, Chris Pratt. Yeah, kind of vibe. Terrible. I heard really? the yeah, I heard horrible film. You know, when sometimes like I mean it's one thing to get like a couple of bad reviews, but when we're talking like every single person said the same thing that I'm not gonna share anything spoilery because I haven't seen the film, but basically there is a plot twist in the end. That is the only reason that you would watch the film in the first place. Like the entire film is constructed around the plot twist, and you're like, "What oh, the fuck's sake? I spent two hours for this." It's that well, kind that of well, that and Paul Meskel's charisma. Come on, I do like him. Are you being him. sarcastic? No, I love oh. Paul Meskel. I, I do love great. him. Yeah, because but I was because he has film- a, he has the film with Andrew Scott that's supposed to be all amazing. Of, right? All of us strangers. Mm. It was the saddest film I've seen all year. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. It's it's like one of those movies that it's not going for like best picture, but it's going for like acting awards. It should. It's just heartbreaking. And Claire Foy, uh, Jamie Bell is in it. Like, yeah, just an incredible film. Yeah, but to go back to the headliners very quickly, Killers of the Flower Moon. I absolutely love that film. It is my favorite Scorsese film. I'm gonna go on record saying it. I'm going to insult a lot of people. I love the good. I love Goodfellas, you know. But it just did so. Like it just touched me so much. And with Scorsese, like we've talked about him before. I love him as a filmmaker. His cinema doesn't touch me emotionally, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, I love his films, mm, but yeah. because he doesn't maybe sp- hasn't spoken to me in a way that other filmmakers have, I haven't had that sort of emotional connection to a film. And what Lily Gladstone does in this film, who's the main actress, who's the main who um, the lead character in that film, is just astonishing. Like, you haven't seen a performance like that, mm. and I'm hoping that she wins the Oscar. But yeah, just, I didn't feel the runtime. I know some people are going to say, yeah, it's very long because it's three and a half hours. But it also has the feel of Departed where like the camera doesn't, the camera doesn't stay on a single frame for more than two seconds. Right. So like, you're not going to have like five minute dialogues. Like Mm. that's not the kind of vibe that you're getting, which Mm. is why the pacing works so well. And a funny thing I read about, um, like I read in one of his interviews, Cortesi, that he was inspired by Ari Aster's film for the pacing, which I found very odd, like Midsommar. Okay, like, huh, that's interesting. Just, that's very, yeah, it's very odd. But it worked. And DiCaprio's favorite performance um, so far in his career, in my opinion, De Niro is amazing and actually does something interesting because he hasn't done something interesting, like performance-wise since The Irishman. Um, so, yeah. A lot to take in, but very much guarantee for you to watch. If you don't, and I was telling this to Ben earlier, if you don't want to watch this film, 
you know, on the big screen because you can't handle the three and a half hour film. Totally get that. Watch an Apple TV Plus and maybe just, you know, have a toilet nearby. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So... I'm sure someone Looking will forward. eventually, like like they did with the Irishman, someone will come out with like a blog where they tell you, you can watch it in three parts, just stop it here, here and here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to your review once you watch it. Mm. Yeah, so it, and I think it goes back to our conversation about, you know, the criticism that we've had of the filmmaker in the past in terms of mm. how he's approached certain subjects and, you know, Stories and idiosyncrasies, I found that very interesting. So that's number one. And number two, my top favorite film from the festival, Poor Things, Yorgos Lanthimos' new film. I I went in there without, I don't like watching trailers. I don't like knowing about the film. I just knew that Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo are, you know, are, in the, are in the film. And I was like, I might as well give it a go. It's his best film by far. Okay. It's like a feminist manifesto coming out of nowhere. And I think it goes back to, you know, also what we're talking about earlier, um, Ben, is it the man's story to tell like a feminist story? And I actually think it's a brilliantly told Mm. story. It's a Frankenstein um, tale. So Willem Dafoe plays a Frankenstein character in the movie and he creates Emma Stone, who's basically like her brain, and I don't want to say why, because it's a bit spoilery, doesn't la- align and match her body. Like she has like a body of an adult, but she has a brain of like a baby. So she's trying to find her place in the world as an embryo, pretty much as a baby in a body of like someone who has periods and wants to have sex. And like, it's just very weird, very not safe for work. It's super explicit, a lot of sex, a lot of stuff involved that are very sexual. And I don't want to say gory, but it has a bit of like blood, medical stuff mostly because it's a Frankenstein movie, but nothing too crazy. Surgical, surgical horror type stuff. Yeah, but nothing too crazy because I wouldn't like it. Yeah. So definitely recommend. I think you would like it. Um, Yeah, I think you will have thoughts. So definitely recommend. And... Another film that I did like, and I don't know if that's your type of film, but I did enjoy it, uh, The Bike Riders. So that's the, the- Austin Butler, Tom uh, Hardy movie, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't think you watched Sons of Anarchy, did you? The TV no. show? Yeah. I mean, it will scratch that kind of itch for people who have like, want like a motorcycle club story. And it's actually inspired by a true story. And it is very well told. And Jodie Comer is the highlight of the film. So it's worth watching Tom Hardy apparently has some- massively nonsensical indecipherable accent. nonsensical accent that's not from anywhere it is ridiculous but i also don't care because he was great you know it's like kind of thing was like yeah. it's like you're so good but also you don't make any sense uh so and, and austin butler's accent is just elvis because he sounds like elvis now so yeah and will forever it did sound work like elvis. though because <laughs> i think he was his character was from like the south or something yeah i mean I, i'd yeah. imagine a lot of things he's going to be cast in now is because of that voice yeah these are my highlights i mean i've done like a proper reviews in on my page but Overall, it was the best LFF I've done so far. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So before we move into our like very mini uh, community segment and however we want to call it, do we want to talk about how we're going to be, you know, doing our episodes moving forward? Because we got together over a beer or two and we figured out a new format. I guess the main thing is, 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 is that we won't be doing final scenes every episode. 
So we're going to yep. try and cut back on that so we can actually focus a little bit more on them. So pretty much every second episode will be a final scene episode. So it gives us a bit more time to research the episode or research the movies. It gives us more time to work on a bit of the production side of things and actually do those movies justice a bit more and be a little bit more selective about the ones that we want to do. And then every other episode will be like this, where it's just kind of us getting together and chatting and introducing a new segment, which we are going to start doing, I think, from the next episode, mm-hmm. maybe, or or maybe the one after that. And that's your baby. This is, segment. well, it's not my baby, but <laughs> uh, slightly kind of, my idea. Kind of. But so, and we need your help with this as well, if you're listening. If you have name suggestions, please let us know. Because Desert Island Films doesn't really, it kind of does it justice, but that's not necessarily what it is. But the basic premise is, is that in the next episode, Sophie, Simon and I will bring three movies each that we want to bring to the Desert Island. And that will be a list that we will have, I think, where's it going to, where's the list going to live? Probably on our Instagram somewhere, yeah. It'll sit somewhere as our list, which, but it'll be an ever-evolving list. Oh, it can also be on Letterboxd, by the way. Yeah, Letterboxd as well. But it'll be an ever-evolving list. So every other episode, then we will bring, one of us will bring another film to kick one of the others out. Oh my God. And we'll have to stake our case that you can then vote on. So I might come in and say, I want to get rid of one of Sophie's movies and I want to replace it with this. Or Simon might say he wants to replace one of mine with one of his. And it'll be an ever-evolving list of movies that you can judge us on and that you can vote on and yeah just have your input you know you know talk to us a little bit more and who knows maybe you can suggest movies that we want put in and it can be our movies and some of the listeners movies as well yeah so it's going to be slightly different format going forward but we think it's going to be good really excited and i think this is all part of um, on the back of what people have you know told us in terms of feedback so we're just trying to also improve and make the experience better for you yeah and videos that's the thing we are being we are filming ourselves today as a test to see how that goes and because that was I know Sophie you know before we had our production meeting you put out a question of what would people like to see more and a lot of that was videos to kind of see us and and get to know our faces a bit more outside of those amazing headshots (laughs) that we have on the website um Uh, and so yeah we're gonna we're gonna experiment with that a little bit we won't put it out until we think it's right but once we've got it nailed down Hopefully you'll start getting to see a little bit more of us. Very exciting. I need to think of my Desert Island films because I don't have a list yet. I don't I've have got my, three. I've got my three. Oof. Already, already locked in and ready to go. <laughs> I think I have as well. You may have heard one of them already today. <laughs> <laughs> but that could change by the next time we come in. Awesome. Okay, knows. cool. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? And we're back with a very short audience segment on Scorsese again because Killer to the Flower Moon is coming out this Friday and we thought it would be interesting to revisit the favorite or the best De Niro and DiCaprio performance in a Martin Scorsese film and people have have thoughts and I have thoughts as well so we can go through them I'm gonna start I want you to play a clip Simon that I share with you which shows exactly why this award for De Niro should go to King of Comedy. How can I not think about it? I mean, I've been sitting here at lunch with you, which I knew is the reason you invited me for in the first place, and all I'm sitting here and eating for is to get guilty with you, right? I'm asking you to take over the show for six weeks. I mean, what's six weeks? I'll give you anything, but don't ask me to do six weeks. I can't take over the show for six weeks. I can't even take over my own life for six weeks. And you're asking me to do something that's impossible. It's impossible. Don't you understand? 
What? What are you doing <laughs> down there so late? It's impossible. I'm trying to tell you that. What do you want? You want the tears to come out of my eyes? There's got to be a way you can work it out. It's just six weeks. Excuse me, um, Mr. Pupkin, do you think you could? Yeah. Sure. What's your name, dear? Dolores. Dolores? Yeah. That was my father's name. <laughs> to Dolores, who sensed greatness. Okay, so in this minute, you saw three different performances from De Niro. Like you, you hear the like, I'm semi-confident, but also pseudo-artistic. Then you move into like full desperation and then you move into like full pickup mode, like to a, to a waitress. So I have so many thoughts about this film. And I'm not going to go into them, but I think it's a perfect example of De Niro's range because it shows tragedy and comedy in a like incredible way. It's a big influence on Joker, that film, wasn't it? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It Joker done well. Yeah. (laughs) That's my hot take. I disagree because I think Joker's done very well. And it's another De Niro film, but that's for another day. Yeah. I mean, I think King of Comedy is a great shit. I mean they have what's the count now? I don't even know for De Niro and Scorsese together. I mean Oh plenty. So many. I mean I tend to go back to and I just because I think I think I just the film I think is incredible. And also it's like pop culturally, it's like parodied so much as Cape Fear. I mean, mm. you know, and it's an incredible, like De Niro as well from like a physical transformation side of things as well. Like he looks insane in that film. Yeah. He's so terrifying as well. It's just such a great performance. On the Leonardo DiCaprio side, I mean, I don't really, I Departed, I'd probably go back to, I know Wolf of Wall Street's probably the default answer because it's, he's, you know, it's the lead. There was a lot of Oscar buzz around this. It's a fairly controversial film. But I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's my favourite one. I think maybe, I really like Shutter Island as well. And a couple of comments yeah, did mention Shutter Island, which I was glad about. I know it's a film that kind of has its own controversy around it in its kind of, way it deals the way it deals with mental health and stuff like that but leo's performance in it is is fantastic and i think it's one of those ones that maybe flies under the radar a little bit as them two together you know and as we were saying about the aviator it's one of those films that i don't really just automatically associate with scorsese and when i was looking back on the list of these movies that these you know dicaprio and scorsese have done together shutter island was the one that jumped out at me i was like oh i Fucking constantly forget that that was the two of them doing that together. Yeah. I mean, someone says, um, Isidorus, uh, for DiCaprio, it's the aviator, hands down, possibly his best performance in overall. He doesn't get enough praise. And for De Niro, maybe Cape Fear. So, And I think we saw a lot of people say aviator, which is interesting. And probably he does something that I don't remember that's quite remarkable because I... Maybe there is something there. I found that with Killers of the Flower Moon with his performance because I've seen quite a few DiCaprio performances where I know that, oh, it's the DiCaprio thing. But, and the first hour I was like, oh, maybe that's a bit of a Django Unchained performance. But then he does like a full on twist where he comes across as very pitiful. And I thought that requires a lot of humility in a way to be able to come across like that because that's not what DiCaprio tends to do. Like, uh, so yeah, also want to get your take once you see it in terms of like his performance, but I thought he was one of the highlights. Interesting. No one on the Instagram said Gangs of New York, incredibly. Mm. Surprisingly. Oh God, I he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, again, another one that like kind of, I feel like slips through the net on me is like yeah. a DiCaprio and Scorsese film. Yeah. 
for the Nero, they do say Cape, another one said Cape Fear, the hot mm. take, gotta say the Nero in Cape Fear. Yeah, so there is something there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, it's such a, like, it, it's it's such an unsettling, unsettling performance. Kind of like mm-hmm. in in that it is like a thrillery kind of horror film in the same way. I put it on level of like Nicholson in in yes. The Shining, in yeah. that like he's just like the kind of movie that like, I don't really Unpredictable. get it. Yeah, that's it. Like you don't know what he's going to do next. And there's something in his eyes that are just absolute, like there's an, you know, unhinged is probably the word. And it's really hard to play that in a, in a non kind of cheesy way mm-hmm. because it can, because if you're if you're not careful, it comes across as the Simpsons parody of like The Shining, where it's Homer just pretending to be crazy and all that kind of stuff. But De Niro does it so well in Cape Fear that you are just kind of petrified, mm-hmm. like properly gives you nightmares that movie because he's like the Terminator. You're just like he just keeps like is all like he's almost like unstoppable. Yes, and there's something terrifying about that, like a man who's just so determined to fucking get you. Yes. <laughs> it's so scary. Simon, I think you'll appreciate this one. Uh, Glover Pick said, um, good fellas for De Niro, for him to convincing, convincingly play Jimmy Conway at 21 while being 47. Yeah, that's mad. It's quite mad. De Niro's also, 21 when they made that, was he? That is wild. Jesus. I didn't know that, but he pulls it off. He's <laughs> got like deep lines in his face that can be like... Yeah. Yeah. It's I a great performance. Uh, yeah, and, well. and I think that's, a, that's probably something that you could say for both DiCaprio and De Niro in that like for a lot of their careers, especially the movies with Scorsese. And I think that's something that maybe he brings out of these is that like, even at a young age, there's a maturity in like a lot of their, that's probably why people are saying The Aviator as well, because I mean, that's what, 2005, you know, like still fairly early in, before DiCaprio had much Oscar buzz and all that kind of stuff, getting very mature performances out of these. And you can see why these actors and this director kind of gravitate towards one another. And then again, with like The Departed as well, it's a very mature and intense performance from someone yeah. who's still relatively young. And I think it was um, because I was at this Scorsese talk the other day. Mm-hmm. He did mention that DiCaprio went after him for the aviator role. Because really? Because he really loved, I'm trying to remember, the f- he loved like an odd film, maybe like Cape Fear or something like that, that no one saw or something. Mm. Uh, it wasn't Cape Fear, but something like that. And Scorsese didn't know what to expect because he came right after the Titanic, but he was just like... In, shocked by how good DiCaprio was because that was one of his first serious roles after the rom-coms that rom-coms well more like cheesy films yeah. like he did back, like uh Julio Juliet and Robio and stuff like that that were a bit like meh <laughs> what would you say so I know you're saying maybe what you said departed I think right I was looking at um Mean Streets and uh yeah, yeah. uh what's it called the one where um De Niro is like beating up his wife Raging Bull. Bull yeah Jake LaMotta had a massive effect on me when I was a teenager yeah. But um, yeah, Scorsese would be probably Mean Streets or Wolf of Wall Street, I think. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just the energy of it, the outrageousness of it, the drug scene in the... Like, Getting the out of the car. Of, uh, yeah, that's the amazing. The Quaaludes, yeah. What do you like about DiCaprio in that film? I suppose it's a bit like, what's the film where he's a con artist? Um, Catch me if you can. He's got that kind of like, he's doing this outrageous stuff, but he has methods of making people <laughs> come on board with him. He's so persuasive. Yeah. And I think that's really comes across in that performance mm-hmm. really well. He's slippery. Yeah, he's a slippery eel. Yeah. Um, and you kind of know you should hate him, but somehow you're rooting for him. He's, even yeah. though he's conning people left, right and centre. Similar films, I guess. Oh, I mean, not similar films, but like the Catch Me If You Can, like that idea. I mean, he kind of is playing a con man in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. You know? 
that's what he's doing. Like from the start, lying to people about these, you know, stuff. And, and actually, he's doing stuff that's going to ruin people's lives. But somehow, yeah. you're like, go! I mean, hope he makes it. Yeah. Hope he makes a fortune. Um, yeah, you're always like rooting for him. I think. I guess that I don't know if that has something to say about like what Scorsese was trying to do versus what DiCaprio was trying to do. But I don't think Scorsese was trying to romanticize like what DiCaprio's character was trying to do. But yeah. it's interesting that he came across very likable in a hate-worthy way. I <laughs> yeah. think you hate to love him, but you do. Yeah, because maybe it's like in our time, it's like, fuck the banks. Right. This, this guy yeah. got one over them. You know, he That's did it. True. You know, it was one man against, or one person against the system. And he did yeah. it. And he mm-hmm. upended it. And that was quite exciting. It's quite subversive. But it's a, yeah, yeah I, I think it helps that he kind of gets his comeuppance at the end of it as well. Yeah, I, think if, I mean, I was happy you about know, that. Yeah. yeah, like the thing is, if the Wolf of Wall Street ends with him riding off into the sunset <laughs> on his yeah. massive fucking yacht with millions of dollars and loads of people yeah. who are sad and depressed and bankrupt, it's not as, no. it's not a, he's not as endearing, um, you know. Is, is that the one where he does his whole sell me this pencil? Yes. Is that the, yeah. that's, that that's the one? final yeah. scene actually as yeah, well. Yeah. With, and he he gives it to the actual Jordan Belfort, isn't it? That's the that's guy right, in the crowd yeah. is, cool. is, is, is the real Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. But mm. yeah, mm. I, Wolf of Wall Street is such a weird one for me because I'm still like, it is an incredible performance and it is it is a truly mad film. I just, I find it, re, it's such a hard watch. I don't know what it is about it. It's, I find it, it very difficult as well. It's a very long watch. And it's because it is about what three hours Must long be. as well, and it's I don't know. I remember watching it the first time coming out of the cinema, being like, I feel dirty. Like I feel like I need to. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should go like home and shower because I genuinely yeah. feel like I just feel like I. It's like, like this debauchery and yeah. like kind of because that scene where Jonah Hill is um, wanking Oof. Yeah. on camera. I remember seeing that and being so shocked. I'd never seen that in like a mainstream film before. I was like, what? Yeah. Isn't that isn't there the story from that film that John Berenthal he punches Jonah Hill and the take they use in the film oh, is yeah. where he actually punched yeah. him in the face yeah. because it was like just go for it and so he properly properly clocked him. Say what you will, maybe if you don't necessarily like the films or not, but he, they're kind of a match made in heaven. Both Scorsese oh, yeah. and it's interesting that like Scorsese had De Niro, now he has DiCaprio, now mm-hmm. he has them both in the same film. Mm-hmm. He's kind of you know who's next? What like what is who yeah. is Scorsese's next? leading man because he went from De Niro to DiCaprio who will he go to next like what's that next yeah. generation of yeah. Paul Mescal maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe he'll just he retire pr- yeah, and chill yeah, out I was well maybe say, I mean have both for, yeah. I would say he probably yeah. wants to take a break at this stage yeah. considering considering how much he's been yeah. working but I just find it very moving that you you get to have another movie with three with both with three um, yeah. incredible like yeah. talent um you mean because the relationship obviously works and they've come like back we, to it? Yeah, because we grew up with them three in a way. And to see like one more film with all of them three is quite moving. And it's, you're thinking you're probably not going to, let's be realistic, you're not probably not going to get another film uh, with them three. So I, like odds uh, yeah. <laughs> don't help. So yeah, it's um, just serious it, I guess. You know? Okay. Cool. Thank you so much for your um, answers as always. So we'll be back in two weeks with a final scene deep dive on Reservoir Talks because we haven't done a Tarantino episode and it's about time. And it's our twist on a Halloween episode because there's no way you're going to go into Halloween party. You're not going to see like a bunch of creepy men dressed up as the Reservoir Dog guys. So. I mean, this year, if they're not dressed up as Ken in his fur suit, in his like big fur coat and his blonde hair, they'll probably be Reservoir Dogs. Exactly. Awesome. Any parting words? 
It's good to be back. Yes, very good to be back. Great to see you guys. Okay, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>